Louis Erickson has agreed to a six-year deal with Vancouver Canucks. Sports fans, I'm Aaron Warner. With me is always Stefan Heck. And today on the show, we have a special guest from uh, Canucks Army and the Canucks Conversation, Chris Faber. What's up, man? Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. Doing good. I mean, been riding on Team Tank, but last night, beat the Leafs. I mean, that's the one you want to win, right? Like, in the end, you want to win that game. As much as Connor Bedard's great and, like, broke Connor McDavid's record last night in the CHL. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Still, still, it's like you're watching the win. You're like, eh, I'll take it. I'll take it, I guess. It was nice to see like Leafs fans in the building get really upset. I, dark guy was there, I guess. No, I, I saw. think that, that's a fake dark guy. I, Is it? I, I think so. I There's like some Twitter drama last night between him and Wyatt. And <laughs> yeah. I was like going through his feed. It was it was a whole thing. But I think it was just a guy that was wearing the same makeup. It was as a dark guy, guy doing dark guy cosplay yes. at the Canucks game. Oh, my God. That's uh, really good. <laughs> It was horrendous last night. Um, Crazy P, obviously, I think he's been talked about on the show in the past. You guys know how this is going to go. He tries to get his uh, Go Canucks Go chant going. It's just like maybe you would get like two runs of like Go Canucks Go before Leafs just absolutely took over last night, which is like a horrendous look for him because I'm like watching him from the press box and I'm like, hey, I want to see like his reaction. (laughs) And like you never see this guy sad until like the Leafs come to town. And then the poor dude is just like absolutely depression hitting his face when it just takes over. It's, it's a tough look for the poor dude. What, what was the fan split? Would you say? Cause I, I went, when we were at the, so Aaron and I went to the uh, Boudreaux's last game and it honestly felt like it was like 70, 30 Oilers fans. Was it about the same or? Yeah, I'd say at least right. Like it had to be, uh, we were looking at certain points cause there were like some Canucks chants going and then, I'm like, it's weird. They sound like they're coming from the speakers there more than the, the crowd. So was, like, like I don't know. Yeah. Well, that was the craziest thing because it was like a it was like a weird little like music build up, and then it yeah. was like Leafs suck. And I was like, wow, it's pretty interesting that the whole arena knew to say Leafs suck the first time. It, it was just it was sucks. I, I was, was going I was thinking time. like there must have been something on the the jumbotron that says Leafs sucks at the music break of the chicken dance or whatever it was, but that was uh, allegedly organic. Found it organic later in the game. I'll okay. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I can't picture all of the Canucks fans in there knowing that they were going to say Leafs suck. Like, I get the chicken dance song thing is like sort of a, a running thing in hockey. Like, you do say the other team sucks. Like, that's yeah, sure. sort of a thing, but it's, it's not like a massive thing that every hockey fan knows that they have to say. Yeah. So, I, I don't feel know. like I, I remember I that know. from like going to Canucks games as a as a kid, but I, I feel like it sort of dropped off maybe. And, and I guess right. maybe they're trying to bring it back or something. But um, I actually so I took my parents to go see Creed three yesterday during the game. Uh, How was, was great. it? It's wonderful. I've seen see Creed it. two, but I love the first one. Creed two is Creed two is good. This was better than Creed two, I think. But uh, yeah, great time. Uh, got out, uh, I guess, like partway through the third period. Check the score. And it was one of those reactions where me and my dad were like, damn it. But also, like, it, it honestly felt like um, 
like Larry David in the Palestinian chicken episode of Curb where he's like, ah, you know, can't really <laughs> like you can go either way. Cause like you said, it is, it is great being the Leafs, but at the same time, it's like, man, I just really want a high draft pick this year. I, and I was sort of thinking as well, like, it's kind of funny because, you know, people are upset that they traded away the Islanders pick. And it seems sort of like the Canucks uh, reaction to that is like, oh, you wanted to pick 13th to 16th overall? We can still make that happen. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been kind of just letting it wash over me, I think. Like, I, I was very resistant for the longest time about how, I don't know, the team's played so bad so far this year. They were bad with Demko to start the season. Uh, what's going to stop them from being bad and like just putting out the same bland performances that they've done all year? But seemingly since Demko's been back, he's been vintage, like bubble stand on his head Demko. I mean, he looks incredible. He looks so good. It was really funny, the whole talk. It, this is a, a playoff game for us shit yesterday. But they did come out and play the Leafs super hard. So maybe they are motivated. There oh also seems to be an Tavares irony. Tavares like, got destroyed twice. You know, like, OEL's hurt and yeah. there's no Riley Stillman and Shen's gone. <laughs> And they've been filled in with like AHL players, and suddenly they're moving the puck better. Like Cam Sharon posted a really good clip of I think it was Wolanin and Breezebois and Pod Colson rushing the puck up the ice, and it looked like competent NHL work, which we weren't really <laughs> seeing for most of the season. So, I mean, maybe these guys that have like a lot to play for, yeah. It's, uh, well, that's what you see. I, I feel like every year with every team that tries to tank is that, and and we've talked about this many times before, and we've had. Um, there's a, a friend of the show who's a Buffalo fan and, and said, you almost want, you don't want like the AHL players up if you're trying to tank because they're playing for their job. They're playing to play in the NHL next year. And you sort of want to have those like older veterans who are like totally checked out. So you, you kind of want an OEL in sort of in, in a tanking situation. Um, but like, well, looks like Chris, you probably know more about him than, than either of us, I would say for sure. But, uh, he looks really good. Like he looks like an NHL defenseman. Yeah, I think it's it's crazy too because it's just a storm of like how like get what you, like some people will bring up puck luck a lot and I don't think it's like puck luck isn't a stat that you can measure but I swear it's a thing that's going to happen over 82 games and the Canucks say what you want like they were a very bad team they did a lot of bad things on their own in the first half of the season but like they are going to get some bounces as the season goes on they are going to get some saves so when you combine that with like you mentioned the AHL guys that are hungry or the new players that are brought in like Bavillier or Kraftsoff like these guys that want to kind of have a good run at the start of their new opportunities like these guys are going to get some bounces they are going to score some goals they are going to play some good hockey and i think that's the worry because we heard this a lot at the start of the season where like the Canucks have too good of a roster, too good of a goaltender to be a bottom five team. And it's probably right. Like, I don't think the Canucks are going to finish in the bottom five. Like, I don't know if the Canucks are going to finish in the bottom eight. Like, you know, you made, you made the joke about it earlier, but like they could be getting closer to the Islanders pick than a lot of people think. I think they're going to win some games down the stretch here. It's oh, they have a soft sucks. schedule. <laughs> and like you, 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 even if you can't look at it in a vacuum, obviously, like teams below them and teams just above them got substantially worse at the trade deadline, right? Yeah. And they're going to keep losing. And the Canucks and got better? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I look, I uh it's it's weird and and you know, we we said this on the bonus episode, but like I am looking forward to watching Hronik play because I think he's going to be quite good and it, it's it's nice to have another competent defenseman back there obviously, but at the same time it's just like, ah, oh, you're getting us further away from like not even Bedard and and Fantilli, but like 
Will Smith, Zach Benson, maybe even like David Reinbacker, who I know, Chris, you're a big fan of too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you brought up like they do have one of the easiest schedules. It's actually the second easiest behind Colorado this year. I, I know that you can look at that and be like, yeah, they're going to win a lot of games. But at the same time, if you want to be positive, it's like, hey, at least they have the opportunity to have like four point losses to Chicago, yeah. Anaheim, San Jose. Like at least you have the opportunity for that. So, but we kind of know like that's the opportunity the Canucks are going to like seize and yeah. like actually win those Cause, games. Because on the so. other hand, you have the opportunity of of getting even further ahead of them when you're playing yeah. too. So it's yeah. <laughs> it, it seems I, like the mandate from management or at least coaching is they want to. Well, they're t- t- treating it like a longer training camp. So you're having like Hughes play nine minutes in the first period, and they're having these really high ice times that Talkit previously stated he didn't want to have. And you like if they had their best draft pick lottery chances in mind, why not start playing your pod Colson's, your Kratsoffs more? Why are you like well, leaning on JT two. and like Pedersen so much? Yeah. yeah, and Demko, like, why would you start him three games in a row? No matter what. Like, if you think he's doing good or like coming back from injury, just no process of thinking here makes sense to play Demko three starts in a row. Like yeah. I I can't think of any. And and, and to that point as well uh looks like he's not getting traded eh <laughs> i don't yeah. i don't think that's yeah i mean look we we said this after the heronic trade like i i think there's given how wide open the west is and especially the you know the pacific is not that good there's a possibility the canucks make it as a wild card team next year like we we talked about this at the the start of the season and, you know, on our very first episode, we were like legitimately excited for this season because we were like, look, we just kind of sat back and accepted like their goal is to be a wild card team this year. There's nothing we can do about it. Let's just enjoy the ride. And obviously kind of spiraled out of control pretty quick. Um, but that feels like what's going to end up happening next year, I think. And yeah, and it's just one of the situations where you just kind of have to like, like as a fan, it's like, what can you do at this point? Other than be like, I guess I'm cheering for them to come in like sixth or seventh place in the West, you know? Yeah. So I have written in my notes here, general cope next season. And so like, if you listen to our, our like trade deadline reaction show, we were very mad. It was like the angriest show we've ever had. Yeah. And I've slept on it a bit more. And while I still hate the trade, I'm slowly maybe Stockholm syndrome myself into thinking oh. like, yeah, well, we're we're stuck with it now. So what's like the bright side of all of this? Yeah. And they added a top four defender that they really needed. Next season, like Alvin said as much in the press conference, like the goal is to make the playoffs. So, I mean, if that's the stated goal and if I'm 33 years old, I'm not going to start cheering for another team. I'm, I'm stuck here with the Canucks for life. <laughs> Fuck it. Right? Like we might as well get maybe not excited, but like I'm going to hopefully next year I can like cheer for wins. That'd be nice. It, it, it would be, it's it would not be what I would do year. if I was in charge of the direction, yeah. but like it, it would be sort of fun next year for our podcast to like dissect what happens in the games more, <laughs> I think. So I, I would, I would be excited about that, but yeah, Chris, what are your thoughts on just like next season in general? Like, cause obviously they still have a ton of cap space to clear and they're kind of in a worse position to do that. Yeah, I'd be worried about the cap space a lot more than some people are thinking right now. Or at least, like, there are some people that are thinking it is a massive problem. I think those people are correct because <laughs> did we not hear very similar things? And I still haven't had time to do this, but I need to go back and hear some of like the first few 
press conferences, whether it be Rutherford or Alvin, and talk about them looking to move money in the summer. Because if you guys remember, like the first couple that we had at training camp, it was, oh, it was harder than we thought. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, no yeah. shit moving money <laughs> is really hard yeah. when you're talking about it being like Tyler Myers and Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, these, some of these, like the contracts that you might think about maybe moving money are literally impossible. Like it's it's impossible unless you find another Jim Benning in the NHL to trade this OEL deal to. Like it's so well, I, Chuck, I worry. Chuck Fletcher a lot. is still. I mean, for now he's still GM <laughs> of the. That's the one thing I don't know if you guys saw the the reaction at like the fan event where Fletcher walked on stage and just got straight up booed by all of the fans. <laughs> like that was incredible. And he also said that he uses an app to look up player values or something. Yeah, um, that's good. So there are. Where can I download the app? I mean, look, we we complain about the situation of being a Canucks fan, but Flyers fans do not have it much better right now. I will say that. Um, so maybe there are, you know, and, and Pittsburgh, obviously, I, I think maybe there's an opportunity to revisit the JT Miller stuff in the offseason. Um, I've been trying this year to look on, on the bright side and look for silver linings a little bit more because I think it's just like better for my mental health a little bit. <laughs> and... The fact that they are at least attempting to shop JT Miller, I mean, that's a good thing. The fact that they're admitting their mistake on some level, I guess, but I think they're really realizing like, oh, this is just like extremely difficult uh, of a contract to move, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that's the, the thing that's going to be difficult there is just like, I can see, I can be a little bit optimistic about the potential to move JT Miller because like it is a very weak free agency class. I understand that. Yeah. I just, it just feels like there's a lot of baggage to go on with a deal that you didn't sign yourself as a general manager if you are trading for JT Miller and also like the years behind it. Like you don't really like, I think the baggage around JT Miller around the, the league is pretty obvious. Everybody's pretty aware that like, yes, he's an emotional player. And it's like, I don't think emotional is the word that these guys are using behind the scenes. It's like what they're saying when they're on TV <laughs> yeah. or like talking in the media somewhere, right? Like, I think there's very much different words being used, but he can be like, I, the other point, like if you want to look at it from a positive chance of actually moving Miller, he could be very effective on the right team. Like I do think yeah. he could, I think he's a guy who, to me, though you're paying him $8 million, he is a guy who can help kind of like, I don't want to say it directly, but like he's, he could be a piece of getting you over the top, right? Totally. I do think he could do that to the right team. It's just, yeah. it's not here. It's not now. And it's not anytime soon. Well, I mean, he, Carolina makes so much sense to me as, as like this, as like a secondary guy there, sort of right. As like, not the guy. Um, Cause he's hyper competitive, obviously. And I think, uh, I mean, look, look at how he played yesterday. He's, he's playing well under talk right. Yeah. Um, so he, he's it's not he's not like completely over the hill yet, like by a long shot, you know, I, I think you could keep this up for a few more seasons, hopefully. But, um, you know, it comes down to timing for the Canucks, obviously. But Carolina makes a lot of sense. Pittsburgh makes no sense because they should not be <laughs> doing what they're trying to do. I, I, I think, I think but... it, it makes more sense than Grandland. Like, well, I, I, I think true. Yeah. I, like I've been saying it for a while now. I thought Pittsburgh was a good potential destination because they are at the end of their window and so if those last four years of the miller deal are bad it doesn't really matter because like they have like they want to do stuff now while they still have like Grozny, malkin and latang playing at a, yeah. at a high level um but like what's really concerning to me is that the trade apparently fell through because the canucks wanted a young center back and pittsburgh didn't have a young center and they were just offering up picks and they needed to get a young center from another team as a part of this same deal, which is 
pretty insane to me considering they just made the heroic trade, which was taking picks that you got previously and turning it into an asset that you wanted. Yeah, I I just I don't know. I'm 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 hopeful. I you know, obviously all the the rumors swirling around the deadline and everything give me a little bit of pause, but like I said, the fact they're trying to even shop him at all, they're Besser presumably they're trying to shop. Well, we know they're trying to shop him because his agent is getting involved. Um OEL, the OEL thing is interesting to me because like how do you make this heroic deal? Like they must know what they're planning on doing with OEL, whether it's Robodaw Island or or buying him out, I guess you would. Uh, you would have to think so, right? Because it makes it so seems little he's sense. Untradeable. He's it's, it's it's unless you're attaching your 2023 first. I I think that's a completely untradeable contract. I don't know, Chris, if you have any thoughts on on what they might do with OEL. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's weird because I think there's like two worlds you can live in. You can live in like the hopeful world, or you can live in like the what's happened over the recent past here with the yeah. Vancouver Canucks, and like it's hard. <laughs> it's it's actually really hard to like be like logical and figure out what actually is going to happen. Cause like, I feel like it could, it's either just going to go one way or way or the other. Like they might know that he's going to retire and like, gr- great. Like, you know, <laughs> you never want to see a player like finish their career because no. of it, but like it's a lot of cap space, but like, you know, like there's, <laughs> there, there could be that road or maybe they just cannot move him at all. I, I don't think there's like a middle ground. Like there's a very good thing for the Canucks future. There's a very poor thing for the Canucks future. And then like, is the middle ground like a bio? Like, is that the middle ground? I, I guess think, if you have to think about it, I think that's the middle ground. Like we've, we've looked at the the numbers before, obviously it buys them a lot of cap space this next season. Uh, and then there's a couple years in the middle where it's like, million of just dead cap. But at the same time, it's like less than what you're paying him now. And he's, he's not on the roster. Like, is it still worth it? And I, I think it kind of is also just to get away from kind of sort of the past mistakes of the past regime a little bit too. And just, and you know, more major surgery, more of a fresh start. Um, I'm not against it at all, um, but well, that's like the big thing to look for this offseason. I, I, I so like. I think the best plan for what to do came from uh, Enemy of the Show, Five Canucks Thoughts. We uh, <laughs> call him that because that's all he's ever had. But here it is. You buy out OEL. At five? Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> you buy out OEL, deal Besser, Garland, Myers, sign Severson, Gavrikov, Gudas, Dumlin, Comfort, Engval, and Reimer. Then if you can flip Miller into picks into a young C, then do that too. Then you develop Kratsov, Hoaglander, Podkolzin, Lekaramaki, Ratu, Klimovich, etc. into filling top six spots. Done. Easy. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that is a plan, I guess. <laughs> wow. Um, it's, it's crazy that it's just that easy. Yeah, I can't just, you it. just got to be active. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think there's, there's something obviously frustrating about it, just the can being kicked down the road yet again, because um, it happened at the deadline last year. It happened at the draft last year, and it's happening at the deadline this year, and it just seems like one of those things where it's like, well, at some point you have to make a move, but Again, it goes back to just how difficult it is in a flat cap NHL to move any contracts with term. It's like it seems like it's essentially impossible if the player is playing below value. Well, um, I I was listening yeah. to Chris's show with Harmon Dial from Friday, and one of the points that you guys raised was that it just seems like they're building a team for casuals where you can go down to the arena once a month, cheer to see a bunch of goals because it's going to be exciting hockey one way or another unless they lose five, one at home. And that's all that it is. It's like a very casual team to watch. But if you're like looking as a, a hardcore fan that wants to see them, you know, actually win a Stanley cup, that's just not the product that they're trying to ice. Yeah. I mean, I I've been saying that for a few weeks now. I just do think that 
even like I'm at every home game. Like I understand how Rogers arena kind of operates, uh, what they're doing for the fans. And it's like, if you like to go to one game a month and make a lot of noise and yell when the screen tells you to yell, like you probably really <laughs> enjoy the Canucks, but are you the one that's on Twitter and actually listening to Canucks podcast, you know, texting into these shows, the people that really do care about a Stanley cup, like, and how much, cause I don't think a Stanley cup means that much to a lot of the fan base, right? Like I do think that a lot of people just enjoy the Canucks and that's fine. Like, I'm not going to tell you that, but like, how amazing would it be for the actual city of Vancouver, like the fan base in general oh. to actually be able to latch onto a Stanley cup? Like if it's weird to even think about, cause it's so far fetched to imagine, but like, it would just be so incredible because then you get everybody on the same page. And right now the fan base, though, a lot of them are in the camp of rebuild. They're still not on the same page because some people still just like going to a game like once a month and, and saying like, Hey, Philip Peronic, this guy can move the puck. I like him. It's great. Like a lot of the fan base is going to like the trade because Heronic makes the team better. And that one game a month that you go down to watch or say you're from the island or Kelowna and you only get to go to two games a year. Yeah. You're like, hell yeah, this Heronic guy's in the lineup. I love that. I get to, you know, watch a team that move the puck and that's great. It's just, it, it, it's difficult, I guess, to be, you know, doing a podcast about them, writing about them, whatever it is that you're doing about it. Cause you're like, it's not like you can do that either. I can't be like, Oh, like, uh, at least the game was great yesterday. Like, you know, like uh, JT Miller and Elias Patterson, them together. Holy cow. There's, they are so great. They love each other on the PK. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I, I just can't with an honest face, like go out and, and talk like that. But I know a lot of fans can, and that's, that's difficult. Cause it's hard to have a connection with those type of fans. And it's a huge part of the fan base in my yeah. eyes. You can't like, uh, and I, there's nothing wrong with, with being a fan like that. It's, it's completely yeah. fine. Like, like every team has fans like that. It's, I'm not judging you for that, but it's, it's very difficult to have like a discussion about the team's future and like the moves they need to make to one day become a cup contender with fans who are, who are just there. I just want to see them win. Uh, like you said, the two or three games I go to a year, like for yeah. me, the ideal thing would be if I had the sort of situation that drew Barrymore had in 51st dates before every <laughs> Canucks game. And it was just like, just like a, a one-off thing. Like I, I just want to go enjoy this game. Like that would be fantastic. And that's sort of what we were trying to do at the start of the season was just kind of accepting the situation playing the hand as it was dealt and and just being like well let's just cheer for them to make the playoffs i guess and, and have a bit of fun this year you know yeah um, it, it reminds me of like uh the discussions that you see about this team on social media like there's like a kid's table and adults table like the kids <laughs> table like kids are happy with like macaroni and cheese and you know ketchup and stuff and that's all great like i i like it too i i like katie with ketchup a lot yeah. of the time but like when i'm going out for for dinner i'm not going to have craft dinner i'd like to have <laughs> even if it's just like a clubhouse sandwich like to step it up a little bit of a level yeah. you know like that's the way that i kind of look at some of the discussions about the team it's it's not wrong to like craft dinner but it's just not what i'm going to choose when i go for dinner yeah this no, kind of exactly this leads organically into a question that came from our discord uh for chris are you glad that you're not a fan anymore now that you're like fully a member of the media or is it still just as frustrating to see it unfold or maybe even more frustrating because you have to like actually analyze it for a living? Yeah, yeah it, it's absolutely that one. Uh, it's like <laughs> I because I listen, I was born on Vancouver. I was born in Nanaimo. I grew up a Canucks fan. I've loved the Canucks fan. Like I've loved the Canucks organization when I was a kid. Uh, I started my first like podcast listening to like real good show was one of the first podcasts I actually started like oh, hell yeah. listening to back in the Damn. day, like that and C4 and these old school, like Canucks podcasts from back in the day was like how I actually started to, I think like 
changed the way that I looked at the organization to actually have like long form discussions instead of just ones at work or situations like that. Um, but now at this point, like I, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's the right thing to say as a media member, but like, I do really want to see the Canucks have success. Like I would love nothing more than the Canucks to win the Stanley cup. I think that would be incredible because my job would be amazing. Like actually covering like a hockey team that went to the Stanley cup would be, it would be the best thing ever. I couldn't ask for a better job. So like I, I was a fan. I still, I can't root for them to win. I think that's part of whatever. I don't know where I signed that to become a media member or not, but like, <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to, I know I can't yell in the press box, but like, you know, I get excited a lot for the players that like Vasily Pod Coles and Niels Huglander. Like I watched them for two years straight, uh, every SHL game and KHL game. It was like three in the morning. I'm waking up to watch Pod Coles. And so like when he has success in the NHL, like I am excited for him or the players that I've had relationships with. It's great. But as as just like a fan of the team, I think when you see and you're like that involved with it as as I've had to be over the last three years with my job, like it is. It does make it a little bit difficult. There's a lot of times like I come home. I really think the worst night and like so I like in my career as like a working adult, I've worked at like a compost factory. I've worked at an A&W as like a manager. I've worked at a mill for like five years. The worst day of like my adult working life like had to be the Bruce Boudreau night, like dealing with him for the last time and oh, just yeah. like the buildup of those few days. Like I came home and like it was like. I, I just felt like so bad. I was like, how did they treat this guy? So I think when you see that type of thing from the organization, it's hard. It, it, that really kills your fandom when you're like involved with it and you're seeing mm. how it happens. Yeah. You're there. Like, so I, I miss, like I miss being able to be a fan. I love when other sports start up. Like I'm very excited to like, I don't even like love the blue Jays that much, but I'm like, fuck it, man. Like at least I can <laughs> like get excited when something cool happens. So like, I'm going to be a big blue Jays fan again this year, yeah. you know, go watch the seas and shit. Like I'm, pumped for all that it's just yeah i think the the fandom part of the vancouver canucks it's completely disappeared it's too bad but i want to see them win still in the end so uh yeah that's that's that <laughs> yeah i mean i i feel like you see it a lot in like someone like drance's replies where it's people being like oh you just love being negative don't you oh this is this is this is what you want you want them to be uh poorly run and poorly managed so you can you can complain about them and like knowing drance like it's the same thing as you No, it's it would be way more fun to write about a, a good team that is that is built correctly and and has a chance of, of winning the Stanley Cup every season, right? Like that would be yeah. way more fun. Um, I think so I, I always I think it uh, just drives me insane, you know? Yeah. I, one of the people that like literally has anyone covered the Canucks longer than Don Taylor? Like, you know, like I think some of his takes are out there still. He's, he's getting older, but like, yeah. you know, the, the stuff that he always says is like, I would love to be wrong. And like, yeah. I would love to be <laughs> wrong too. I, yeah. I like, cause I'm like, okay, this is a, billion dollar organization or at least it used to be but like this is like a, a close to billion dollar organization i really hope that they're making better decisions than me making 50 grand a year like i really do <laughs> like i like i feel like that and i think a lot of really smart people in the market like you know Harmon and drance like it, they're kind of in the same boat of like hey i i feel like i've watched this team and how they've operated for a long time i just want like I just don't think this is the right move, but like a lot of us in the market here in the media, we would just love to be wrong. Like yeah. we would all really love to be wrong here and see them do good. Yeah. We say that all the time, right? Like when we said it after the, uh, on the deadline episode, it's just like, yeah. look, I, I think it's, it's pretty easy to be right. If you're predicting the Canucks are going to be bad or screw up on some level and you don't want to have to make that prediction necessarily. Right. Like I, I would love to, Going next season and be like, this is a Stanley Cup contender, right? But you can't like lie to yourself. 
I guess is part of it too. But like you said, I if this works out, great. I'll be very yeah. happy and I will happily eat crow. Like there's no doubt in my mind, you know, the the reply guys on Twitter and stuff and those guys who get mad at me and and get mad at you guys and get mad at the the meet other media members like have your day. I I will gladly eat crow if I'm if I'm wrong about this and I hope I am wrong about. You this, know what I've been thinking know? about but, lately? Like if everything breaks perfectly next season, I, I think the absolute height is there like bubble Montreal or bubble Dallas. Like you go for a run in like the weaker division, get yeah, really Demko good gets red hot. Yeah. You know, you have red hot PD for the entire and then you just lose in the finals to like the legitimately good team. Which I guess that yeah. would be fun. I mean, that would be that would be fun as <laughs> hell. I'm not it. gonna complain I'll about that. I'll take another finals loss. Yeah. Yeah. I Fuck think a it. lot of it is it, it's gonna just depend on Demko again, right? Like yeah. if he is a world class Vesna caliber goaltender, this Canucks team is going to be good. Like I I you can you could say what you want about the roster construction and all that. I don't care if if Demko is a top three goalie in the league. I don't think there's any chance the Canucks can miss the playoffs. Like if he's a top three, yeah. he's in the conversation for the Vezina. And there's no doubt about it. Yeah, the Canucks have a good enough roster to yeah. get them into the playoffs with mm-hmm. a top three goalie. Well, it's just that's a to, lot to rely on. Yeah, and they like you can just tell from watching them since Demko's come back that. Obviously, if, if you're an NHL player and you know you can like depend on your goaltending behind you, you're gonna play different. You're gonna play more confidently. You're gonna play better, and that's like something I've really noticed, and I think everyone's noticed is like, yeah, since he's come back, it just feels like a different team, you know. But I guess that's the frustrating thing, though, right? Is like as an organization, you shouldn't be planning for if everything breaks right and we get yeah. this and we get another career year out of Pedersen and Hughes and Denko's in the conversation then we can sneak into the playoffs for sure like it it should be a team that's built that's almost impossible to, to fail right and yeah. to be consistent and that's what's well look how long it took it took the capitals or the blues to finally break through right and and even like worst case scenarios a team like san jose were like that yeah they never broke through but they were in the conversation like every single year right and that's how you have to do it in the nhl well, even like the the lightning, the way they did it, like they had really strong teams and look what happened after they even won a cup. They made, they doubled down on making smart moves to be able yeah. to go win a second one. Like they, mm. they didn't just accept that their roster won the Stanley cup last year. They were like, Hey, let's change the right things here to improve in a similar way to though. I hate to say it, but like the Blackhawks did, right? Like yeah. they made the right moves at the time and the lightning did a very similar thing to win back-to-back cups. It wasn't just about like a lot of the guys that were driving the play, yeah, they were there the year before, but they made the right changes to kind of work with the cap because you just you just have to like you have to. We we had a really good conversation on Friday uh, on the show with Harmon. Like we we talked about like I think the big thing was like the Canucks are valuing players a lot when the rest of the league is valuing value. Like so that's yeah. not a great way of saying that, but like that's the way that GMs around the league are looking at players. They're not looking at the player; they're looking at the value. And yeah. those teams are the ones that are in the playoffs this year, or these those teams are the ones that get to the deadline and then instead of really 100% evaluating value, they can simply just say, okay, we'd like this player on the deadline to come into our group that we built that's built of valuable assets. And now we can add a player instead of a value at the deadline. Like that's to me, that's why I look at the Canucks and I said, they're not at the point to add a player like they just did with Hronik. They still need to work on value because value is a huge problem with the way that this roster is constructed. Hronik's a good player, but the value that you're going to actually have when the window opens. Like I worry about that because what he's on his $4.4 million contract Mm -hmm. this year, next year. Is he still as valuable as he is right now in two years? I don't think so. Cause I think he's going to be asking for a lot more money. He's still going to be a good player, but his value is going to be lower than it is today. 
Yeah. And I, when we talked about uh, surplus value and that sort of thing a lot on here and I completely agree. And I, I think it does sort of just as a general thing, it just kind of sucks as a fan <laughs> to have to be like, oh, but like the money's not good enough. Like the, just the flat cap is just it's brutal for the whole league. It's brutal for fans. It's brutal for teams. Like it's not it's just making things like it, I would like it to be a situation where it's like, oh, they brought in a good player. OK, that was a good trade. Right. I would love it to be that simple. And it's unfortunately not. Right. And even the Ronick trade, like if they were in a situation where, you know, they had a Nashville amount of picks or uh, an Arizona amount of excess picks. Right. Um, then you don't feel as bad about that sort of deal. Right. But when you're you're already, you know, they just never seem to want to have a pick surplus. And it's something I just don't understand. You know, yeah, that tweet sense. from Harm was like the oh, best tweet uh, I've seen in years, oh. maybe. Like, especially like, don't get me wrong, like my corner that I got on Canucks like media is prospects and AHL, which I'm sure we'll get to in a second here. Yeah, but like yeah. when I saw that tweet, like I am just I am so happy because like this past year, it's like there's been some prospects to follow and stuff, but like not a ton of great ones. Like when I was in my heyday, it was like covering, like I mentioned earlier, like waking up to watch KHL games at, you know, early in the morning, watching Niels Huglander at 10 o'clock every two days playing the SHL and these type of things. And then like this year, I was like, oh, at least I'll get that with LaCare Mackey. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that didn't happen, but like, uh, you know, at least getting an opportunity to have these type of players in the system is, is just at least something Canucks fans can, you know, the Canucks fans that we kind of talked about that are sitting at the dinner table with the adults, like at least they can watch the prospects and get exciting there. Cause there's at least some hope in that point. And that tweet from harm just made so much sense. Was it seven picks in the first four rounds for the first time ever? Yeah. Like that was first what we were ever. about to see. Yeah. That would have been incredible, man. That would have been awesome. Cause I even they're oh, yeah. like their number one prospect in my eyes right now is Elias Patterson, the defenseman. Yeah, and they got him in great. the third round. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe we'll transition into prospects a little bit. I, I, I can't talk about the team more than 30 yeah. minutes straight. <laughs> this is, this yeah, is a good time to talk about prospects, I think, because a guy that I've been interested in, because you've been posting about him a lot for good reason, is uh, Forcell from... Yes. Uh, is he on uh, Pedersen's team as well? Or... Uh, uh, no. No, they're not on the same... Okay. But no, they, they but, just they just played against each other like last week, actually. Okay, yeah. yeah. But he's he's been like red hot recently. Yeah, he's been excellent. No player under the age of 27 in the SHL has scored more goals uh, since Forcell was called up. So this was like Boxing Day when he got called up. Yeah. Because um, he was in the Al Svenskin because he just wasn't playing. He's like 13th forward. And like this, the SHL team over there, he's been with them since he was like a young teen. Uh, this is like an organization that's like developed him. So they they talked him through a plan of like, hey, we're going to loan you to the Al Svenskin, which is for people who don't know the second division in Sweden. He got there. He didn't like play very good. He just actually got opportunity to play minutes. And since he's come up, it's like top six for him. He's on the power play. He just does a lot of things like he's an extremely skilled player. He's fast. He has good hands, but he goes to the net and he still has so much like muscle to gain. When I saw him at development camp, I was like, dude, this this is this is an 18 year old like this is a kid for yeah. sure. So like to see him now, like he's he's put on muscle. He's worked really hard, I think there is some excitement there for a seventh round pick. And I think he, he's a great kid. I, I deal with him all the time. He's awesome to chat with. Um, and uh, yeah, he's still a couple years away, but really good stuff over the past, I guess, since boxing day, when he got called up, no, like no young player is scoring more goals than him in the SHL. And you could say that and be excited if he's like 22, like a Anton Rodin type of situation, like, yeah. Oh, like 24 <laughs> year old kid. But like, 
he's still a teenager. That's yeah. the coolest thing about this situation. So just an excellent seventh round pick. Even if he turns into nothing, like doing that in the seventh round up to this point, it's a it's a home run. Yeah. It's it's, totally. it's amazing. Like, even right if now. he plays some AHL games, that's like still a huge win for a seventh rounder, right? Well, that's why you want to get next as- year. Sorry. Yeah. So he's got one more year on his contract. Um, I think he said it's going to be at least like at least the end of that before he even thinks about coming over here. Also, just like from my conversations with them and from my conversations with people in, in Sweden, like the AHL isn't a very exciting place for people in Sweden when you can be in the SHL and have like, you know, sparklers going off when you score a goal and like a crazy fan base, like, you yeah, know, getting jacked sense. up for everything. So the AHL, like you watch them play in like, you know, somewhere in Milwaukee where there's like 300 fans in the stands and you're like, uh, like, I don't think there's much excitement from there. Uh, so I think he's going to be a guy that might want to, you know, two to three more years and then hopefully come over and jump into the NHL. I don't think right. he's going to be a guy that grinds out the A, but I think Patrick Alvin is going to be a guy who like preaches that the AHL is a really good spot for prospects. Like the other day, um, when Breezeball got called up, like no defenseman in the AHL was over the age of 24. The oldest guy was Jack Rathbone on the roster in the yeah. AHL for like a, a couple of days or until wow. they signed this random Italian guy. But like <laughs> they uh, like it was a very young defense core there. So I'm curious to see how the AHL is kind of utilized. Like it's been something that you hear the general manager, the president, the coach, everybody in the Vancouver Canucks organization, like they're preaching and, you know, ranting about the AHL and what they love about like the development down there. And it, for fair reason, but I'm curious to see if they can convince these type of players to like develop in the AHL instead of the SHL. Cause I think that's better. Like you yeah. want to have them here in your backyard. Yeah. Especially in Abbotsford now. And I mean the, uh, the AHL season for the Canucks in general has, I mean, that's arguably even other than like Patterson and Hughes and, and how they've been playing this year and Kuzmenko. Like if you look at just from an organization standpoint, like the performance of the AHL team, the performance of the prospects down there, and just like the general vibe around the team has just been so nice to see this year. As compared Dude, to like just, previous seasons too. I mean, you, I, I love it out there. Like I have yeah. <laughs> such a good time. Like I, I'm the only media member who goes out there to Abbotsford. So like I, all the security knows me, like everyone in the building knows me. I just feel like a rock star that it's like fun. <laughs> and it's like, I am just like, it's like a drug for me, man. I love going out to Ab- like I have to, and it, it feels like I'm doing a drug cause it takes like a two hour drive to get out there and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, an hour and a half to get back. So it's like, there's like, like somewhat of a sacrifice just to get out there, but it's, it's so much fun. Like the people in Abbotsford that are going to the games, the season tickets holders they know like they they really do understand how much fun this team is out there and when you watch a period where jeremy Carlton's coaching his team to allow three shots against or four mm-hmm. shots against like they're doing a lot of really good things structurally with a actual kind of development of the play down there that you're i'm not surprised to see christian willing come up and have success or noah Juleson like maybe not have success but like be able to play on a pairing with quinn yeah. hughes like that's yeah that's a not a small task to ask of a player so um, just, yeah, I, it's so much positivity and good stuff out there that like we've seen some negativity in the past. And I think it's completely fair about the AHL organization, especially when they're in Utica, like what the fuck, <laughs> like the whole situation. But like the, the fact that they're down the road here now and like every time I'm out there, I see, you know, the Sedins out there, Ryan Johnson out there, Jim Rutherford's been out there. Yeah. Uh, Alvin's out there consistently. Like it is, it's good to see some some sync between the NHL and the HL team. And I just think there was zero of that when they're in Utica. So they did a good job of coming in year one and like establishing this year. I think they're actually starting to build. Like, I'm very curious to see like what even happens next year. Like, I think yeah. if they build this the right way, it's a huge asset for the team. Yeah. Um, Cause dra- drafting is one thing, but development is like a, another thing. And, and, you know, the Canucks have had issues with both throughout 
their entire existence. So it is just really nice to see because, like, yeah, I'll, you're posting highlights all the time. And I know Aaron's been posting some yeah, highlights, too. So like, he, he... Uh, yeah, I got AHL TV, and I'm watching probably every... It depends if it's not conflicting with, like, uh, a Vancouver Canucks game and, like, if there's nothing else going on or whatever. <laughs> but I'll probably watch, like, every third or fourth game, and it's been nice to see it. It also... It's kind of annoying depending on which arena it's in. Like some of the out of town arenas oh, are just dreadful. some of the camera angles are insane. I mean, some of the camera angles legitimately. I was watching because I have. I mean, I talk about this on the show all the time. My keeper league team, Chris. It's like insane yeah. how in depth it is. It's it's like too much. But I'll I'll watch like uh you know I have Jordan Spence on my team, so I'll watch Jordan Spence highlights, and he scored a really nice goal the other day. But like the camera angle in the AHL building is like straight up like a bird's eye view. Like it looks like you're playing Diablo. Like it's it was, yeah. <laughs> you can't tell what's happening. No, there's there's some too. Like you either get one or really far the other. Like you you get those ones where you're just looking straight down at the ice when they're actually in like a real arena. Like, and I say that as like HL arenas, they aren't like real big arenas, I guess. But then yeah. the other ones that are like too small of an HL arena, it's like you can't see the boards because there's just heads everywhere. Like the cameras just yeah. in the aisle somewhere. <laughs> so like that's strange. Like, and I I used to be on the HL broadcast last year with Abbotsford, and like it was also very tough. So I was doing the call with James Sabalski when uh, so he was the play by play guy last year, and Phil Giuseppe scored the goal of the year in the HL. It was he was in on a breakaway, went through his legs and like roofed it. It was just it was awesome. So. We like we were the broadcast area for the outskirts centers in the corner of the rink, and the play happened at the complete other end. So like, Seaball <laughs> didn't even see that like he went through the legs and scored. He's like, oh, like what a great goal that like you can like hear on the broadcast. He like the replay comes up. He's like, he went through the legs. So like HL broadcast is just like a thing of its own. I love it. And then like the commercials that you get from the local stations like what it's it's just incredible i think it's it's like a, a massive experience and i don't like it, you know it's just fun like i have so like i have so much fun with the hl man because like, the nhl team is just not very fun so mm -hmm. like i i really i'm getting a lot of my like happiness from covering hockey out of the hl and it's just yeah. like all of it's just a little bit fun because it's weird it's it's it well, reminds it me of like you know, it, minor hockey and stuff. Yeah, Aaron, I think you said at one point you were hearing like Windows noise. Oh, yeah, or no, something. they're making the, the <laughs> yeah. Windows 10 uh, notification sound on the San Jose Barracudas broadcast. <laughs> Went off like five times in the first two minutes of the one game I was watching. <laughs> That's so well, good. Well, well, to that point too. The this is the only thing that I think Abbotsford's missing out on big time with like how they're running things is they're the only team in the AHL that doesn't travel their play-by-play -play guy. And yeah. I think Brandon, like Brandon Asshole, does a great job. Uh, of doing the play-by-play -play for this team. Uh, it's too bad that he's not able to go on the road with them because they are the only team in the AHL that doesn't have that. That's that's a big miss in my eyes because now you're you're getting people that are actually wanting to invest. Like, Aaron, you you, you hopped oh, on yeah. and, and, and did I, this at some I, point in the now season, Now I get right? to hear, like, the Barracuda's, like, mid-game show where they're interviewing guys that are, like, 32 <laughs> years old that got signed and are having good seasons for the, the San Jose farm but, team. But that's a huge loss because they for all the home games you're seeing. I, I don't know if you're even seeing these because we're seeing it in arena in Abbotsford. Mm -hmm. Like you're getting an interview with Jet Wu. You're getting yeah, an yeah, interview yeah, with yeah. Jeremy Carlton. We, we we do have that, but it's only in home games. Okay, yeah. so that's too bad because like there, it would be great to have that every game. I think that's good for the product and I think for the Abbotsford Canucks because I do think that's one thing that the organization and what I'm assuming is ownership is actually very happy with what's going on in Abbotsford. I'm yeah, curious totally. to see 
this year has been a massive difference too in just like some behind the scenes stuff like going to the Abbotsford Center last year there was like one guy doing socials and it was a tough spot to be in like they have a full team this year so oh, they nice. have upgraded they've made yeah. improvements like if you actually just go like like their TikTok is better than the Vancouver Canucks TikTok they're doing wow. a good job because <laughs> it's like it's a bunch of young kids running that TikTok yeah. account they're all mm -hmm. doing a great job and they kind of understand what like the younger people want I guess like like props to the outs for like the whole thing is being run extremely well right now and you, much better than last year too. Do you think there's a chance in the AHL playoffs that they would send uh, a commentary team on the road? Yeah, I think they are. I think okay. they are going to end up doing that. I don't know if that's, I don't think that's out there or like for sure in Stone yet, but I think I've heard that like, that's something that they very much want okay. to do. At that's least good. the people that are working for them I'm, want to do. I'm so excited for the AHL playoffs. Yeah. I think that's going to be great, oh. especially with Pod, Gol Pod Colson getting papered down. And who else did they paper down? I guess Willannon. Um, Willannon and Breezebois. Uh, and then yeah, they Ratu's just Ratu's just down. Right Ratu's now, just right? down. So yeah, they like yeah. everyone that's yeah. I think Julson down, and they they switched Ratu with uh, Giuseppe. Yeah, yeah, they actually didn't paper down uh, Brisebois. No, oh, so he's weird. just like he's wow. an NHLer now, boys. Huh. Like buckle yeah. up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. How him. surprised were you that Hoaglander wasn't papered up to finish the year with the Canucks? Um, not very. Uh, I think he's going to be down there uh, to develop. I think there's a lot for him that he is improving on and. I think right now you're, you know, people that are just probably following along on Twitter, they're like, oh, look at all these great goals because he's scoring a lot. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm tweeting out as many as I can. That shootout Every goal time he where he did, he did the Marty St. Louis, like, backwards skating. That was so oh, nuts. Oh. That, that stuff's all great. And I think that's, like, the confidence showing. Like, yeah. But I also don't think he's built up his confidence throughout. I think he just understood that he's like, hey, I'm going down to the AHL. I can pull this shit again. Like it was game one. <laughs> like it was his it was his second shift. He tried the Michigan like in the yeah. HL. He hasn't done that in the NHL in like a year and a half. So like he he I think he understands that it's you know, I mentioned it earlier. Like I think that's how a lot of like players from Sweden look at the AHL. It's like you know, I, I'm like a lot of these guys from Sweden specifically, they come over to North America to play in the NHL. Mm -hmm. They don't play to come develop. So I think Huglander knows that there are parts of his game that he needs to improve on. And he is like, if you're watching the games aside from the highlights you see online, like he is making big improvements to being physical, being more of like a rat type, I guess. And there, and you could probably, yeah, he, you know, like he's, he he's more defensively responsible lately versus when he first went down to the team. Uh, I saw when they were in Calgary, I went to one of the games and he seemed dominant every shift but still had like probably too many turnovers and what i've noticed yeah. more recently is he is being a bit more like responsible with the puck when he has it yeah that's the big thing i'm seeing is uh his play like around the blue line he does an incredible job of like i, I think this is something that i really like and and actually we'll get maybe we'll get to ryan backer in a little bit but he does this extremely well of like even if you don't have a great play to exit your own zone, just get the fucking puck over the blue line and like make the other team reset. And like Huglander was really bad at that because he'd try and make a move like on his own zone, getting out of the blue line and lose the puck turnover. We've seen that happen a lot. Now it's just like, hey, even if the play is not there, just chip that shit, like get it over to center ice and make them reset. Like that, those are things that I think he wasn't doing a year or two ago. And I think he at this point, like those are your like, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's way better than screwing it up and actually, you know, when you're when you're learning at the AHL level, you aren't going to screw it up as much. Like you are going to dangle that guy way more often, but mm. you're not going to do that at the NHL level. So I think they're kind of preaching that part of little little things of development, whether it be defensively or just like little procedures of how to move the puck up ice. Like they they've seen big improvements in his game. the The thing about Pod Colson that's interesting too is like I don't think he improved at all in the yeah, NHL. Like I think he just, like, I think he just the went there. Time right? Yeah, he he shot the puck more 
later on in his time in the HL, but he didn't look like he improved. He went down there and he was really good defensively. He was really fast. Like he didn't make improvements. So uh, that's why it didn't surprise me to see him come up earlier. It just felt like it actually maybe was confidence with him. Like, I don't think Huglander's lacking confidence. No, like, I, I think he, he knows that he's the shit and he could pull stuff <laughs> that like is like makes everybody in hockey, like blow their mind. Well, like, his, it's, his it's Michigan crazy. moves like the, the, cause he scored like three of them. I think he scored one in, in the world juniors and two in the SHL. And I think the yeah. first one he scored in the SHL is like, I think maybe the smoothest Michigan goal I've ever seen. The oh. way he picked it up so, so fast and just all in one motion. Like, he he's going to score that in the NHL one day, I think. Um, but he's he's just a very fun player to watch. Do you think he'll be on the team next year, given kind of like all the winger depth they have? Or will yeah. he kind of be up and down um, next year? Yeah, I think he'll do it all three. Um, or Sorry, uh, all three of those goals they scored were just ridiculous. But the, yeah. the, he actually ended up... So if you look at it, he scored the SHL goal of the year three years in a row. Oh my god! Um, so like in doing doing the same thing, right? Like, yeah. and then you yeah you throw in the World Junior goal to kick off the World Juniors that year. That was incredible. But I I do think he'll be up next year. It is just going to be like it still is going to be difficult to find him a spot in the lineup, right? That makes sense. Like I don't think specifically the way the season's played out, where like Rick Tockett is now using Bavillier on Patterson's line and like. You know, Kraftsoff and Pod Colson seem to be a nice pairing. Do they mm-hmm. stick together? So, like, where I, I don't know I, if the development at the HL level, like, I don't think it's getting Huglander to be a fourth liner. Like, they are changing a lot of things he does defensively, but I don't think they're developing him to be a fourth liner. So, I it's going to be into, they're going to have to make some moves to get Huglander into the NHL lineup for you, sure. You you're thinking they have to be moving off of one of Besser or Garland in the off season, right? So, I guess that would open up opportunity for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's it's going to depend also just like what center they bring into because they are whatever they do with this lineup, they are I can Absolutely, almost guarantee they're yeah. going to sign a center, right? Like yeah. there's no chance in hell they don't sign a guy for 4 million dollars that's going to play like, 3C for them. How nice like an like Ivan Barbashev or something like that? Like yeah. You know, yeah. With as good as um Nils Amon's been, I don't think they want to be walking in with him as their three C next year with their push to make the playoffs. Right. I think he's a perfectly yeah. fine number four. I've re- that was another player. I was very impressed with in every AHL game. I watched him in, um, but yeah, definitely going to have to hash that out. So there, I did want to quickly go through and just kind of get your take on a few AHL players that like, see if they, they line up with what I've seen. Jack Rathbone, not as hot as I thought he would be, but he's kind of picked it up. Yeah, he's I think he's uh, lost that consistency that he really needs. Like he needs to be touching the puck a lot. The injury, I think, really hurt him because yeah. last year, like like Aaron, if you saw Christian Wallanen down there, like that's what Jack Rathbone was last year. Like yeah, he was, yeah. He was the, the most minutes game last year, right? Yeah, exactly. And like he was he's PP one. Now, I think lately, like you starting to see him get back into a groove a little bit, like his two back to back games with just like absolutely hammering slap shots, one yeah. from like not even like 15 feet away. Like the goaltender couldn't have moved. And then yeah, that was one like that a Brian Rolston level slap shot. On that <laughs> oh one. yeah. Like that, that was, great. that was incredible. And then just, I think that's the thing. It's like he has like, there's been this, this talk out there that like Jack Rathbone saying like bad things to Aiden McDonough and he's not going to sign. Cause they're like best buds and stuff like that. But like Rathbone has kind of like, he's been given an opportunity to play the NHL. I don't think enough opportunity like you should in my eyes you should never play Riley Stillman over Jack Rathbone yeah. I don't care if like I don't even care if Stillman's like 15 years old and he's playing that good like he's just like I don't think Riley Stillman's an NHL I've seen him in practice enough like I, I think Rathbone has been given opportunity for sure he hasn't seized them 
mm-hmm. though you could maybe like pinch him a little bit more opportunity. Like he he just the injuries have really killed his yeah. development over the last two years. Like he's been stretchered off the ice twice in twenty four yeah, months. Like real. that's yeah. it's incredibly tough to deal with. I think it was thirteen months. Like that's how long he went getting stretchered off the ice twice. So Jesus. that type of situation really hurts you. It's just like not only physically developing, but like mentally, man, like, you know, you've had two hockey games stop for you to have an ambulance come the paramedic stretcher. Like it's, that's going to be a tough thing mentally to deal with. So to see him like getting back into a groove is just very exciting for me. Cause like, I, I know there's skill in this kid's game. I have a good feeling he is going to be an NHL or one day, but right now it's more about playing hockey. Like he just needs yeah. to play hockey. Makes sense. Jet Wu, uh, he's, I've always been very disappointed by him. He seems physical, but takes bad penalties and his defensive responsibility, I think hasn't been there. So I've always been surprised when like the team's taking a bigger look at him or I hear that he's like thought of as like a potential right hand D that could come up. Yeah, it's been like, it's weird that this past like three months here, it's weird because it felt like everybody thought Jet Wu was like. Oh, this defensive-minded big hitter who can like be a guy who maybe plays with Quinn Hughes down the road. Like that was oh, like four nah. years ago. People are thinking that, but like <laughs> yeah. it feels like this season, like the AHL is just like nah. Like let's make Jet Wu like a power play guy and like make him carry the fuck up ice. And it's like he's not great at it. Like and even at the AHL level, but I, I do think Wu's playing the best hockey of his pro career okay. over the last yeah. like two months. So like at least that's somewhat of a positive there. I also just think he has an incredibly long road to go before he gets to the NHL. But like. I also didn't think we'd see Noah Juleson, Breezebois, and Willanen be half of the Canucks defense core this year. So, Fair like, it enough. wouldn't shock me to see Jet Wu at some point end the NHL for, like, a game or two this year. Like, it wouldn't. It, it would shock me more to see, like, Klimovich get a go in the NHL mm-hmm. or Baines. Like, I, I think yeah. those those guys would surprise me more than Wu at this point. I do think he's playing the best hockey of his career, but it's only, like, a 12-game stretch, right? Like, right. he's got to do this. for If he does this for the rest of the season, I will be more excited about what he does next year. But... He also like needs a contract, right? Like he's done his ELC this year, so oh, it's yeah. it's kind of a that'll be very up in the you know, air then, eh? Yeah, he's more or less of like a prospect and more of just like here's the player. Like let's see okay. what he looks like over the next little bit here. But yeah, good uh, good hockey of late, I think. Archdeep Baines, he's really impressed me every game I've watched. Uh, I could see like bottom six NHL potential in the future. What do you think? Yeah, just. I think he's incredibly smart. I think a big reason for a lot of Danila Klimovich's success was that he was the other winger with RST Baines all season long. Like Baines is, I think the smartest player on that Abbotsford team. Wow. I think when you kind of mix him with Chase Waters, who's just like a solid defensive AHL guy, uh, and he's, you know, they, they were together since Penticton, right? That's when that line came yeah. together. I think it was game two in Penticton. That trio came together and they just stuck. I think, I think Baines has an NHL future. I think he's also the guy that like, listen, this dude grew up wearing a Canucks jersey and like playing road hockey and thinking he was Marcus Naslin and like these type of things like dude, like put these players in your organization like this. Totally. This is a cool thing to yeah, have. They'll, they'll run through a wall for you, right? Like that's it. Like I, I really do think that like you can see it with Kyle Burrows, right? Like you can really see like this guy gives a shit about everything that happens to the Canucks. I think Baines is in the same way. And when you have like your whole family also like the people that you're dealing with, your inner circle, everything, when they're also like Vancouver Canucks fans, like, I don't know. I just feel like there has to be some sort of added motivation for these players to do this. And not even like, I get it. Like if you're in say like Winnipeg and you have family all around you or just like some random city, like Florida or Tampa Bay. And that's where you're from. Like, 
it's cool to be good for your local team, but like this is the Vancouver Canucks, like who have some history. This guy grew up with like the 2011 team, like his family's all about it. Like I, I do think mm-hmm. that makes a difference, even though it's like not really like hockey and on ice related at all. Like I do think that makes a difference for a player. So I really like him. I think I think he's like a fourth line winger that's smart. Like I yeah. can see him as a you know, prototypical kind of new age fourth line winger moving forward. I just love his, the way that he sees the ice, the way that he works hard. There's a lot to like with this kid who's just a rookie in the AHL. And that's to me, one of the hardest jumps in hockey is major junior to the AHL. Like, I think it's an easier jump from the AHL to the NHL than that. So like that jump from playing against teenagers to playing against men who have been in the AHL or AHL veterans is tough. So yeah. mm-hmm. very impressed with our Baines. And again, last one, kind of on that same note, this is someone that I don't really ever hear being talked about, and I kind of want to know why. Alex Canuck Leapert. He seems like pretty damn good with the puck. Yeah, I so I dealt with him when he was a Vancouver Giant. That was like my first yeah. kind of being able to be in the media was dealing with him as a giant and he beat the crap out of everyone in the WHL. And then I, <laughs> when, when the Canucks ended up signing him, I was like, Oh hell yeah. Cause like you guys saw earlier this year, likely the, the fight with him and that big guy from, uh, Oh geez. One of the Canadians, he's with Manitoba. He fought the six foot eight guy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it was the flames. I think it was Klapka from the flames. I think that's yes. what it was. Hoaglander um, so, laid him out as well, by the way, the yeah. game that I went to in Calgary <laughs> was very yeah, impressive. Like, I, I remember hearing that you were at that game uh, on the podcast and then like thinking, I was like, there was, that was a really exciting game to it actually was, be at yeah. the NHL. <laughs> like, yeah, I think with Canuck Leaper, he's, um, he's still kind of at the point of like this season's kind of, he's breaking into being an actual regular in the AHL. So that's like, that's cool. Um, I think he's got a long ways to go before he's potentially an NHLer. He also is in the same camp as Tristan Nielsen, where he doesn't have an NHL contract. So oh, like, really? okay. even if he scored like 45 goals in 10 games, like the Canucks would still have to sign him or at literally at any point, any NHL team can sign him right now and just like take him away from Abbotsford. So like, okay. that's why like I'm keeping an eye on Tristan Nielsen, man. Like he's got 37 points in 56 games. Like, if a team around the NHL is really looking to add one of these type of players, like Tristan Nielsen probably deserves a contract here pretty soon. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's exciting to hear though. It's, it's like, like we said, it's, it's nice to see kind of a change of pace in the AHL over the past couple of years. Um, should, I don't know. Do quick hair on a couple of, of prospects as well, or I was wondering if we should talk about some potential college free agents because the oh, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. shorten uh, up. Yeah. yeah. I'll answer. I'll do really short answers from now on. Cause I get, I, I'm not no, excited no, no. about these guys. anymore. No, no, this is great. It's, it's, it's nice okay. to have like a, a positive episode for once. So I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Um, but I know there's a few college free agents that, that you're a big fan of. Um, the Canucks uh, have, you know, they freed up a couple of contract spots at the deadline as well. Um, have you heard anything about like, are they close to signing anyone? Are they talking to like, um, I know Jake Livingston is kind of like the number one target, but is there anyone else that they're maybe looking at, or you think they should be looking at? Yeah. Can I tell a quick Jake Livingston story? I'll make it yeah, quick. Go for but, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, okay. So I, uh, for a week I was the producer of the Halford and Bruff show and, um, we, we had Jake Livingstone on the show and then like the week that went on, like they joked that they wanted to make him one of those like paid NCAA athletes and he was going to wear like a Halford and Bruff sticker and stuff. And like <laughs> he ended up like actually being down and like his, his rep like reached out to Sportsnet and stuff. And like the deal never ended up actually happening, oh, but like <laughs> he was going to have like Halford and Bruff, like going down his stick or something random like that. Like it would have <laughs> been, awesome. would have been awesome if it happened, but Livingstone's um, he's actually like, so we're at the point right now where the NCAA season is over the regular 
regular yeah. season is over. We're off into playoffs now. Um, it's kind of just each division. He's on a very good team. I expect him to go pretty deep, um, but he could be out like as soon as Saturday. So like as soon as this upcoming Saturday, he could be a free agent that can sign with an NHL team. You're kind of just on watch, watch the games week by week and see what happens here. Like he, he would be a, I think he's the top guy specifically for the Canucks to target. He's the top guy. He's a six foot three right shot guy. Um, he, you know, he's really good defenseman at kind of being like a six foot three defenseman. If that makes sense. Like okay, he, yeah. he's not fast. He's not, he's not kind of quick or anything like that, but he's like solid defensively he has a long reach, a really strong shot. Um, he, though he is from BC, he grew up in Creston, which is like, I guess, flames country out yeah. there. Like they're closer mm -hmm. to Calgary or something. Uh, so he wasn't like a Canucks fan growing up. who's like a, for sure thing to sign here. But, um, from, from some talks that I've had lately with some agents and stuff like there's, there's absolutely interest from obviously the Canucks, like every team is in on Jake Livingstone from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also interest from Livingstone in the Canucks because what other team can offer the chance to play with Quinn Hughes? What other yeah. team has such a shit right side of defense that like you can just hop right into the NHL? Like, I, I think he values that quite a bit. So the Canucks are what I think of one of the, the front runners. Like they're not the top one or two, but they are in the kind of top five to 10 conversation for a landing point for him. So he's, he's the big one. Um, Cause you said, think he, the, you said he's yeah. like an NHL defenseman now, right? Yeah. Like, I would yeah. say he's, he's a guy that like on a good team is like on your third pairing right now. Like wow. he's, he's, he's the type of player that is going to make a pretty big difference on the Canucks. He's going to make a massive difference. I think yeah. that's something where Canucks fans, you kind of hope that that's what he's thinking too, of like, mm. Hey, I could be, you know, small potatoes in, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, but like have a better chance of winning or, I could be a guy who is like very close to getting a chance to play with Quinn Hughes in Vancouver. Like that has to be his thought process. If he signs with the Canucks, it's gotta be the like end, the best career move, right? Like in terms of sure. like boosting your own value, there's gonna, the, the NHL player, the, the D man. That's the fastest to 200 assists ever. Yeah. Uh, which that's also kind of a bummer how much he's been wasted, but that's a whole nother. I did also <laughs> hear over, over the trade deadline. Like I, I, I didn't get like any big news to break, but like the news that I did hear was like that, um, these agents with college free agents saw that the Canucks made a trade for Heronic and that absolutely didn't help their chances of signing a right D right. Cause it Fair did enough. take away a spot. Sure. Like the, the agent's job is to look at depth charts, right. And present yeah. things to their client, like their clients right now, like these guys that are playing NCAA and about to become free agents. They're like in the final year of their like long and awesome hockey career in the NCAA. And like, they just want to win. So like, yeah. they're not really thinking about as much of this stuff. Well, like this is their, their agent's job right now. Well, yeah. like, Sure, you have Hronik, but I would think also from that same, like, you'd be number two. It's not like uh, Tyler Myers is going to be here for yep. much more than a year, right? And I think very easy argument to make that you'd be ahead of him on the depth chart. Especially since, like, Hronik's like another puck mover, right? So he might not necessarily be playing with uh, Quinn Hughes. Yeah, and that's I think that's the way that Canucks fans should be hopeful for Living Livingstone to, to sign with them, right? Like, he's... Yeah. He's an he's a chance for the Canucks to sign. I think the Canucks have a better chance of signing uh, Sam Malinsky, who's kind of I saw Elite Prospects put out their uh, or EP Rinkside put out their top free agents and like he's their number one defenseman. Like wow. out of the score of a hundred, he got ninety nine. Damn, uh, Livingstone scored like a ninety one on I don't know. I think it's one of Mitch Brown's um, graphics there. So yeah. like. You know, Malinsky came up at ninety nine. He was he was really good all season long at moving the puck. He was also at his best in big games this year, which 
I think means a lot to scouts when they're actually, you know, because scouts aren't going to the game where they're playing like the the 200 best team in the NCAA and beating the yeah. shit out of them. Like mm-hmm. they're going to the the number three versus number seven matchup. And Malinsky was excellent in like all of those games. He's got local ties to Vancouver. Canucks, I have heard, are like interested and made contact like to go see him and like actually get in contact with him in his camp. So like I think Malinsky is the guy that is more likely to sign with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, but Livingstone's a, just, yeah. Everyone just wants the big 6'3 right D, and I get yeah. that. But I think Malinsky's like, he's 5'11", so you don't really love that as much. But I mean, he might be better in the end. But shit, look at, uh, you could make an argument that the Canucks' left side is weaker now. Because beyond Quinn Hughes, yep. OEL, I guess, but we've all seen the season that he's had. And I guess you do have Ethan Bear on the right-hand side, but he's pending RFA. And where the Canucks are at cap-wise now, I don't, are they even going to be able to tender him? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Somebody, I think, brought this up to me yesterday. I don't know what they were talking about, but it was like how many players they had to re-sign and like, oh, they'll be better next year when they re-sign all these players. And I was, it might have just been a tweet going around. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, but how many of these players that they're bringing back next year need a raise? Like, yeah, Kraftstov's not coming back for 800000 I don't think. Nope. You know, Bear's going to need more money. Huglander, I think, needs a contract. I might yeah, be wrong yeah, there. I think he needs one. RFA. Yeah, like yeah, there's there's gonna be like there's gonna need to be a lot of changes, and there's probably gonna have to be a couple of these NCAA guys who like not only look at this season for opportunity, but I think that's something their agents are gonna be doing is like, hey, they're also not gonna be able to sign this player probably or this player, so that's where you mm-hmm. can get into the depth chart. So the Canucks have a lot in their favor of actually landing these European guys and NCAA guys, even yeah. CHL guys, with just opportunity is so good here. So. Like, at least that's a good thing because, like, there's not a lot of other positives around the organization. But, like, opportunity, we got that. Like, the Canucks absolutely have that. And on that same note, Jacob Truscott, do you think he'll sign or is he going back for another year? I think he's going to sign. I think he's going to be in the AHL um, next year, I think. Uh, I, like, I I still wonder because he might be in a similar camp to McDonough where, like, Michigan's going to lose their captain. They're going to lose all of their assistants. They're going to lose a lot of players. So they could, like... Be like, hey, do you want to be like Michigan's captain next year? Because Truscott's an assistant right now. Um, so like he could like maybe want to do it. Like that's a pretty big deal, right? Like if you don't have mm. a for sure NHL career in front of you, maybe that one year of being Michigan's captain, like is that that could be the highlight of his life. Like, you know, like yeah. that could be the seriously, it could be, right? So like I think he does understand the Canucks would like to have him in the AHL next year, but he might just look at that opportunity with Michigan and stay there. But I, I think he does sign. I do think he comes out this year. What's the deal no, with Yanni Yermo? Sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he he wants to come to North America really bad. He's he's awesome. going to be in the AHL if the if the Canucks are willing to sign him, he'll be he'll be in Abbotsford Canucks next year if uh if they're willing to offer a contract to him. Wonderful. Why not? Now, in terms of European free agents, I know the big one is there's that Finnish defenseman, right? Um Volteri, yeah. uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Volteri. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's He's big. Uh, he's not very good. Uh, he's very big. Like, <laughs> okay. He's he, he's pretty, right like, I don't really. Yeah. Like he he might. I just I look at the um, the European free agents this year, and I guess not really. Like I liked Ricard Hug. I liked him last year though, and I don't know why he didn't get a deal. So maybe mm-hmm. teams don't really like him. He was actually Linus Carlson's uh, line mate last year. They put mm-hmm. up really good points together. Okay. Uh, but I don't really think there's like a Kuzmenko level guy out yeah. there right now, right? Like. 
yeah, I'd be surprised if the Canucks are extremely active there. I think they might find themselves like another, like I didn't see Philip Johansson or Neil Zaman being names that came up. So I'm yeah. kind of just looking at them to go that direction. Mm-hmm. I think the, the big boomer bus swings are going to take are, are going to be in the NCAA this year. Right. That's what I think the Canucks cool. are going to do here. I they just, there's no Kuzmenko coming this year out of uh, European hockey, really. Yeah. Um, well, this has been very informative. I, Aaron, do you have, I have, more? I have one more thing? Yeah, yeah. You talked about Halford and Breff earlier. We got to talk energy drinks. <laughs> so, if anyone doesn't know, uh, I'd heard Faber's hits on uh, Halford and Breath the other week and I've been trying to quit energy drinks and came back. And I just wanted to defend you for a minute. So, when everyone, get, <laughs> when anyone, everyone gives you shit about energy drinks, you say they have vitamins. Let me yeah. check a can. Yeah, no, you got you got your B12s, you got some niacin and shit. The other thing is uh <laughs> caffeine, it only has an acute effect on blood pressure, not chronic. So like long-term meta-analysis has shown <laughs> that so long as you don't have like pre-existing heart or blood pressure conditions, you're fine. There's not going to like fuck you up long term. But like if you are like if you currently have a bad heart, yeah, you don't want a ton of caffeine. But yeah, you could have a little energy drink as a treat in the morning. Yeah, Nothing I used to have them that. in the morning. Yeah. I used to have three a day when I worked at the mill. So like and those were like monsters with sugar. And now I'm on like the sugar free. Yeah, so like I not feel not horrible. Insulin, it's and fine. like you brought it up like vitamin B6, B12, like where else am I going to find sodium, right? Like I, I need uh-huh. to get these things in my body. So yeah. I, I don't think it's a huge problem drinking and these. Plus I'm on the zero sugar and like I'm going down to the States for them too. I feel so oh, weird. So I'm just like grabbing, grabbing <laughs> cans from like around my office here. Like I got some from the States that are incredible and like I can't turn down the ones from the They're States. They're doing the so orange like... sherbet rains in Canada now as well. I got some at Save Oh really? Foods. Yeah. Oh, um, those are good ones. <laughs> But yeah, no, the, the beautiful thing about saying energy drinks have vitamins is if you say it really deadpan, people either think you're incredibly stupid and like not continue the conversation or they're like, you know what? You're right. There are vitamins in it. And then it's conversation <laughs> over. <You> can't lose. <laughs> I'll bring that up next time because okay, I, I went off them for like 10 days and I was like, I was so I was like. Listen, like I remember like quitting smoking cigars when I was like younger and like yeah. I was a shitty dude for like 10 days. I was so much worse quitting like <laughs> energy drinks. And then I was like, I was like, nah, I'm just getting back. So I like went back and had one. I wrote like four articles, like did like all these like new graphics for the show and like got so much goddamn work done. And I was just like, nah, I was like, I ain't giving it up, man. Like I was like, it was like the, the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, I'm not fucking leaving. I like ordered DoorDash, got like 20 bangs coming in on the mail, like got them brought to my door. And then it was just like, I'm back off to the races now. Oh, so like I'm living yeah. good now. Hell I don't yeah. give a damn. <laughs> I love that you're on the landscaper breakfast when you were working at the mill as well. Just, yeah, we'll have three boomer juice monsters a bag of doritos those like donuts that never go bad and then you're done for the day <laughs> yeah like pack of bullseye vanillas and let's just like get through the day <laughs> oh, uh, all right well if anyone doesn't know where can they check you out chris where can we have more of your crap uh well we're, we're on youtube which is kind of cool thing we've been doing this year monday to friday at like one o'clock we're on uh like quad uh, david quadrelli and i we do the podcast like live on video, which has been really fun to like experiment with this year and like do so like at one o'clock Monday to Friday, we have uh, a live show. Come check that out on YouTube, I guess. Perfect. Hell yeah. Uh, and then everybody else uh, go to our Patreon. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about this on a public episode yet, but we did hit. Our... Well, I don't think we're supposed to talk about this specifically. Uh, <laughs> All right. Remember... Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> 
But come check out the Discord. We have more information about uh, some cool stuff going on in there. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Did somebody say just... Some the low, and I want I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm ordering delivery, a little sushi while I watch a movie, or buy a salad while I sing a ballad. Need some ice cream, make it a swirl. Gotta treat this California girl. Somebody say